Hey, um, I'm not normally one for um, series. I, I, I normally, one and done is normally me. But I've actually, um, I've got this word that God's put on my heart. Um, and it's probably going to take um, two, or three, two or three weeks. Um, and it's actually out of uh, one passage in particular. It's out of Romans 12. Now, Romans is an awesome passage. It's, um, it's widely regarded as one of, um, one of Paul's, uh, sorry, Paul's, uh, most important works. Like it's um, it's uh, it's absolutely awesome, and, that, and and what it's often known as is uh, the it's the essay or the lecture or the letter that once again reminds us as as Christians that know Christ to move away from the law and to move towards grace, to move towards. Mercy to, to transform the way that we think, the way that we look at ourselves, the way that we view ourselves, the way that we view our future. And so anyway, the name of this, um, this uh, couple of weeks is going to be called Higher, Further, Stronger Together. Okay? So that's what we've got. But for today, um, there's three parts to the passage in Romans 12. There's a part where it talks about being transformed. And being renewed, and that's that's what I'm going to focus on today. Uh, the next time I speak, um, I'm going to talk about you are the missing piece of someone else's puzzle, and then finally, I'm going to talk about love is an action. And so, all three of those things are actually really clearly in Romans 12. So, for a start, before we get into being the missing piece of someone's puzzle, before we get into love is an action, it's something which is active. I'm going to talk about transformation, and I'm going to talk about renewal, okay? I don't know about you, but what I've found is that um, as I get older, I'm actually becoming more set in my ways. My thinking is becoming more concrete. The way that I do things is becoming more concrete. Um, I know exactly how I make my cup of coffee. I have to stir it clockwise three times, anti-clockwise once, and then I tap the side of the spoon twice, and magically good coffee appears. <laughs> Alright? Um, but, um, to my frustration, I find myself becoming a little set in my ways in all kinds of areas. Um, I, I've actually got this kind of secret fear that eventually I'm actually just going to end up like Alf Stewart off Home and Away. You know, like stone the flaming crows. Oh, you young larrikins these days. My goodness. Back in my day. Like, I'm, I'm worried that that's genuinely going to happen. And so, to my frustration, I find myself becoming set. But I'm, but I'm sure I'm not the only one. How do you know if you're becoming set in your ways? How do you know if you're going around the same patterns? Um, now, married people, or soon-to-be-married people, have you ever noticed that every argument might start differently? but ends up the same. So what happens is that you have the arguments that are like a slow-moving car crash where you're like, oh, look, we're going to crash in that area over there. And I find myself slowly being drawn towards it. And, oh, look, it's like being run over by a steamroller when you see it coming from miles away. Now, Shannon and I seem to have the same argument over and over again. But... But that's true of all of us, though. Hey, we all fall into the same patterns. We all end up going around the same mountain together. Um, we, we, we all find ourselves getting to the point where we're on the, it's almost like we're on the train tracks and we find ourselves going to the same destination. 
um, without being renewed, without being transformed, without um, deciding to do things a little bit differently, we'll actually end up going to the same places we've always gone before. We'll end up going to the same comforts we've always found comfort in. We'll end up sinning the same sins we've always sinned. And so the thing is, though, is that Jesus doesn't want us to live that way. See, the thing is, is that the gospel transforms us. The gospel changes how we think. The gospel changes, changes how we behave. See, part of the good news of the gospel is that you don't always have to do what you've always done. You don't always have to go on the same track that you've been on before. There's a new way that you can go. There's a new place that I can show you. I can take you into the unknown reaches of grace. That's, that's part of the gospel message. It's not just I'm going to save you out of your situation. It's I'm taking you somewhere else as well. You're going on a journey with me. We're going on a journey together. That's the gospel that Jesus offers us. So when it comes to Romans 12, it's really interesting. Because it tells us not not just the fact that the gospel changes our lives. It actually gives us a wee bit of a pattern how. All right. So Romans 12 starts off as, so Romans 12 verse 1 and 2 are the the two verses I'm going to focus on. And um, the title of the passage is a living sacrifice. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. So in response to God's mercy in our lives, in response to God's grace that he's given us, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, This is your true and proper worship. So because of God's mercy, there's actually an action. So we offer our lives up. We use whatever we've got to impact the world. Then goes into this really interesting passage, which I'm starting to think is actually, um, um, it's something that I might need to set a reminder on my phone for. I I, I find myself in this passage quite often as I become um, set in my ways. If I make the same mistakes I've always made, if I fall into the same sin trap that I always have, then quite often I find myself in this passage. So verse 2, do not conform. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. So there's a pattern that the world wants us to be. There's a cookie cutter type thing going on. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So if we allow ourselves to be transformed, if we allow ourselves to be renewed, then what that means is that we're able to discern the will of God on our lives, which is it's pretty good. That's quite a good consequence of putting ourselves in a place where we can be transformed of putting ourselves in a place where we can be renewed. See, the thing is, is in this passage, one of the things um, that is speaking to us is that we can't do the same things we've done before. So once um, Jesus begins to take us on this journey, once we accept the gospel as real, we can't continue doing the same stuff that we've done. So in this passage, let me be very clear, the conformity to the patterns of this world is something that we need to avoid. The way that the world does stuff is something that we should avoid. 
So when it comes to conformity, some of you might get stuck on that word. So I was just kind of thinking, well, maybe we could talk about conformity just for a second. So conformity is a type of social influence. That means that everyone decides or the majority decides involving a change in belief or behavior in order to fit into a group. So it's all about fitting in. It's, it's choosing to believe what others believe. It's choosing to modify our behavior in order to fit in with a group. And there's um, three types here of, of conformity. One is compliant. This is the, the sort that kids quite often do. That's agree on the outside, disagree on the inside. Have you ever asked your child to do something? They're like, yes, that's compliance. I'll do it, but I disagree on the inside. So compliance is often as a result of wanting to fit in, as a result of not wanting to rock the boat, as a result of you're wanting to be inoffensive. And I think as Christians, sometimes we're compliant when we shouldn't be. The second type of conformity is internalization. That means that you agree on the outside and actually secretly on the inside you agree as well. So that basically means that if you internalize conforming to the patterns of the world, there's no difference on the outside than on the inside. There's no difference between you being a, a Christian that conforms to the patterns of the world on the outside and what's going on on the inside. So it means that essentially on the inside you're not, not really acting like a Christian. The third one is identification. So it's agreeing to fit in to the societal roles and it's wanting to please others. This is quite often the teenager conformity. I don't really want to do what, uh, I don't really want to do what my friends are doing, but I'm going to because that's, I want to fit in. I want to be part of. See, the thing is, is that <laughs> I really feel that the, the, the picture that I had was the whole idea of a brick wall versus a mosaic wall. If we're conforming to the patterns of the world, what's happening is that you end up trying to fit yourself in this wee square, this kind of like cookie cutter thing going on where this is your space and no more. This is the way you think, but don't think anything else. This is the way you should behave, but don't behave in a way that... <laughs> cool, true. Um, <laughs> But on the other hand, uh, you know, in um, in, uh, 2 Peter, it talks about um, us being a living living wall, that we're we're actually like a mosaic. We're custom-made, custom-fitted, we look different, we sound different, all of that stuff. And together we create this beautiful tapestry that we call Christianity, that we call the church, the body of believers. So how do you know if you're conforming to the patterns of the world? It's easy. Just ask yourself, where am I conformed to the patterns of the world? (laughs) The direct route. Or, here's a a slightly indirect one. Ask, Ask this question to yourself. Where am I fitting where I shouldn't? Where am I fitting when I shouldn't? Um, John F. Kennedy, who's, um, uh, a guy, no, he's a president, <laughs> um, says that conformity is the jailer of freedom and the enemy of growth. So if we conform to the patterns of the world, it actually means that it limits our growth because what we're wanting to do is aspire to a box as opposed to going on the journey with Christ. What we do when we try to conform to the patterns of the world is that we lose our differentiation, the thing which makes us different. We lose our Christian identity. We lose that which gives us relevance in the world. By becoming like the world, 
we become irrelevant to the world. There's no difference between us and the world. So we lose that which gives us relevance. The world can't tell the difference. And so from the outside, if we try and conform to the patterns of the world, people who don't know Christ will look at us and just go, there's nothing here for us. There's no difference to the way that these people are living their lives, to the way that I live my life. But the thing is, is if we're brave enough and bold enough to step out and be who God's created us to be, there's differentiation that takes place. Yeah, there's a spirit of breakthrough, a spirit of hope, a spirit of life that you carry that a lost, a hurt, and a broken world desperately, desperately needs. You are the answer to someone else's prayers, and they don't even know how to pray. So instead of conforming, let's be transformed by the renewing of our mind, our beliefs, what we think, how we behave. See, there's, a, there's another way for us to live. Let me give you an example. We see a great example of being transformed and renewed in the Apostle Peter. Peter is awesome. He's the man. Like, he'd do all the wrong stuff for what he thought was the right reason. So I really like him. Because when I stuff up, it's like, <laughs> Peter did this as well. <laughs> but the thing is, is that Peter, the Apostle Peter, is transformed by knowing Jesus. By letting Jesus invade his world. By, letting, by walking with him every single day. See, when Jesus first meets Peter, his name's not even Peter, it's Simon. So Peter means rock. Simon means reed. So Simon, you know, names are important in the Bible. Simon means reed, which basically means I'll blow this way, I'll blow that. <laughs> but when Jesus first meets Simon, it says a fisherman. And the great thing is, is that Jesus relates to, to Simon wherever he, where he's at. So in order to attract Simon to the cause and the path that Jesus has for him, he gives him a fishing miracle and then a directive, a command. Here I can fish. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Come follow me. It's really nice and clear. I know how to fish. I'll teach you. But we're not fishing for fish anymore. We're fishing for men. So he's, he's meeting... Peter, where it's at. So, it's, so Jesus is coming at it from a point of what Peter knows, but Jesus doesn't keep Peter there, if that makes sense. Yeah. See, the thing is, is that we're like that. That's our story as well. At some point, Jesus met us or is meeting us where, exactly where we're at. In our hurt, and our brokenness, and he speaks to our situation. The first thing that he does is speaks to our situation, speaks to where we're at right now. Our mentality and our maturity level. And so I love that, that Jesus meets us where we're at, but doesn't keep us there. Next, as a result of hanging out with Jesus, Peter gets a revelation. And it's talked about in Matthew 16. And it's where Peter declares that Jesus is the Messiah. So verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? Man, we've got to be careful what the world says about Jesus because it will just give us gossip, basically. There's no real revelation. They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Jesus replies, but what about you? Who do you say I am? 
And you see this kind of light bulb moment. It's like Simon Peter has this revelation and it changes his life forever. Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Now you have to understand in the context of the day, uh, in both a, a religious setting and, 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 and a governmental setting, even uttering those words out loud was an offence that was punishable by stoning. So he could have literally died if that was the wrong answer. Not wrong. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, son, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. So Jesus' response to this revelation that Peter has is, man, I can work with this. I can build on this. See, as Christians as well, when we have a revelation of who Jesus is in our life, it changes everything. We go from reed to rock. That's good. See, we build our lives on Jesus. Jesus is the rock. He's the author and the foundation of our faith. And as a result of that, Jesus can build stuff on us. I, li- I like that. I think that's pretty awesome. It's like having a really solid foundation and then this kind of wibbly-wobbly thing in the middle and then like something solid on top of it. How cool is it that Jesus, uh, Jesus, that Jesus chooses to partner with us? That Jesus, uh, that Jesus chooses to build stuff on us. But if we have a revelation of who he is, it changes the way that we operate. There's this um, great story in the Bible that um, is really interesting. Um, so when, so we've got Peter, he goes from being a fisherman to being a rock to being someone that defends Jesus. He was the defender. He was like the enforcer of the disciples. And there's this great, um, there's this great passage in the Bible, right? So when Jesus gets, um, Jesus gets picked up by Judas and by the temple, the temple high priests and stuff, you know, at the start of the journey on the way to crucifixion. <laughs> um, there's this um, passage in the Bible where um, it's in all four Gospels. Um, it goes like this. Just before this passage, just as they're going into the Garden of Gethsemane, so Jesus prays. The disciples are talking about gathering weapons. Hey, should we get some swords? Should we, um, we need to get some stuff to protect you, Jesus. And Jesus is like, no, I'm going to pray with my father. And so what happens is when Jesus is arrested, so Judas comes to kiss Jesus and Jesus says, oh, so you're going to betray me with a kiss, which is an interesting thing to say. But what happens is that um, this big bunch of people start coming and, and, and it's pretty obvious that Jesus is going to get taken away. And so this is in Luke, Luke 22, verse 49 to 51. And I'll tell you why it's funny in a minute, right? When Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? It's not a very disciple thing to do. We can take him. Let's have a fight. <laughs> Those guys don't believe the same thing that we do. Let's fight him. Let's fight him, Jesus. And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. Now, let's be really clear. If you were, um, if you were maimed, 
you literally weren't allowed to operate as a priest anymore. Like it was actually one of the rules um, about being a Levitical priest. So what Peter was, uh, what Peter was actually doing was removing his calling, removing the, the, the priest's servant's calling. But Jesus answered, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Now, here's the funny thing. In, all, in three of the Gospels, it says the person, you know, the person. In the Gospel of John, um, now this is John who um, both says, every time he refers to John, so John's written the Gospel, he talks about John as the one whom Jesus loved. Like he's literally writing Jesus as his favourite. But here's the funny thing. At the same time, in this passage, the other three passages, they preserve the dignity. John's like, no, nah, it was Peter. <laughs> so it's like specifically talks about, which I think is hilarious. But hey, um, the point that I wanted to make with that, sorry, I thought that was funny. The point that I wanted to make with that is how often do we defend Christ? How often are we sort of sitting there trying to cut the ears off of people? How often, hopefully not often, literally, but, um, <laughs> How often are we trying to win arguments when actually that's not, the, that's not the pattern that Jesus has given us? Jesus is in the habit of restoring the ears of his enemy. Jesus is in the habit of redeeming those that hate him. Jesus is in the habit of forgiving those that would say bad things about him. See, we're, we're wanting to cut off ears and Jesus is wanting to restore ears. Healing, restoration, forgiveness, reconciliation. Let's stop trying to win arguments and let's start trying to be about our Father's business, which is practical love and action. Now, we all know what happens after this. Peter, Peter earlier in the piece, um, says that, um, Jesus, I'll never deny you. And Jesus says, before the sun comes up tomorrow, you will be denied directly after this passage in um, in Luke 22, he denies Jesus three times, and so this this thing that this thing that um, this thing that Peter's defensive about, I'll never deny you. Jesus says you're going to do it before the sun comes up, and it, and it happens, and it, it absolutely guts Peter. Um, if we respond defensively to something Jesus wants us to work on, it often doesn't work out well for us. Have you ever been in a position where Jesus tells you, hey, you need to work on this? And you're like, no, I'm good. I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to do that. It's like thinking about the pink elephant in the room. Don't think about the pink elephant in the room. Don't think about the pink elephant in the room. What are you guys thinking about? Uh, not the pink elephant. <laughs> but it's that exact point. But that's my point. Is that when, we, when Jesus wants to work on us and we don't put ourselves in a position where we can be worked on, what will happen is that we'll, because of our defensiveness, because of our, unwill- our unwillingness to renew our minds, we'll quite often slowly sail towards that area that Jesus is wanting us to, to work on. That's why we keep going around the mountain. And even then, I love the fact that Peter's calling hasn't changed. I love the fact that Peter's um, identity is still the same. I love the fact that Jesus still has his back because the next available opportunity, the next time that Jesus and Peter are in the same room, Jesus cooks some breakfast, crucified, does a couple of things, comes back to visit the disciples, Cooks them breakfast. 
After breakfast, John 21, verse 15. After breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, this is after he's denied him. Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Simon replies, yes, master, you know I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. He then asked a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, master, you know I love you. Jesus said, shepherd my sheep. Then Jesus said it a third time. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter doesn't get it. Like he's upset. You've asked me three times. Why would you ask me three times? It's really simple. He denied Jesus three times. Jesus is giving him the chance to reconcile and redeem himself by not denying three times. There's a pattern there. There's a pattern there that breaks him out of the conformity. What was happening? Peter was afraid for his life. He denied Jesus three times to people that were going to crucify Jesus. And then Jesus reinstates him to the same role that he had before. Then he said a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was upset that he was asked the third time. I'm glad he was asked the third time. It's giving him the chance to reconcile. It's giving him the chance to be reinstated. So he answered, Master, you know everything there is to know. See, revelation again. You've got to know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. So Jesus' response to someone who denied him was to put him in charge of the church. See, this is the thing. I don't know what your situation is. I don't know what your deal is. I don't know how much mess you've got yourself in at the moment or how much mess you've had in the past that you think disqualifies you from being able to do something amazing for Jesus. But what this tells me, what this pattern tells me is that our fears... Our failures, our insecurities don't let us off the hook. See, the thing is, is the way that we, who we think we are can cut across what Jesus wants to do in our lives. So how you think about your future, how you think about your destiny determines what you do today. Peter allowed himself to be in a place where Jesus could teach him, where Jesus could disciple him, disciple and discipline, same root word, and restore him. In the same way, there's a posture that we can all take that will mean that we respond to feedback well. So, what does that mean for us? Well, the pattern there is transform. Transform. Be, put ourselves in a place when we can transform ourselves by the renewing of our minds. And then after that, we'll get into it next week, but then it goes from transform, renew, and then action. See, there's a process that we need to allow ourselves to be put through, and often we get it the wrong way around. We want to pour out before we're transformed. And what happens, we're doing stuff in our own strength. So you can't pour out unless you've been filled up. The thing about transformation is when you know transformation is possible, conformity just doesn't cut it anymore. Conforming to the patterns of the world just don't cut it anymore. If you know that there's a different way that you could live. So we sit here and we, 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 
Not only do we transform, they were called to action as well. We can't stay the same. We can't freeze in place if we're continually renewing our minds. Um, Andy Goulet, um, the, the guy who's in charge of Red Frogs, I'm sure we've said this a number of times before. He says, I cannot and will not and shall not do nothing for my generation. Our response when we're transformed by the gospel has to be action. There's no other option. It's not passive. It's active. So be transformed. Be renewed. Every day. At all times. See, renewing, I like, I like renewing in that passage because it's in present continuous tense. Basically what that means is that at some point in the past, to right this very minute, I decided I'm going to go through this process of renewing, right? And then it's just an arrow that goes that way. That's, that's what that particular tense means. It means at some time I started it and it's just going to keep going. So once, it's not just renew once, it's renewing, going through a continuous process of transformation. So that leads to all kinds of questions. I'm going to finish up. What areas of your life need transformed today? Let me put it another way, the pink elephant question. What, what are you thinking about? What keeps you up at night? What takes up your mental real estate? If you're more of a doer, like someone, someone that uh, by actions, you know how you're going by your actions. What areas of your life do you dig your toes in? No, nah, not going any further than here. No. Nah. Are there areas of your mind that need renewed? Now you might ask yourself today, well, what, why, why should I work on this stuff? Why should I put myself in a process where I'm being transformed every day by the renewing of my mind? They're going through this continuous process where thanks to God's mercy, He walks with me every day. He renews my mind. He leads me to great places. Well, it's because transformed people transform people. By allowing yourself to be bent, by allowing yourself to be renewed, by allowing yourself to be transformed, you can transform others. And the thing is, is that when you get a group of transformed people together, they transform communities. Renewed people renew people. And renewed people renew community. See, in this passage, the end of uh, verse, uh, verse 2 in Romans 12, there's actually a consequence of allowing yourself to be transformed and renewed. There's a promise and there's a huge benefit. Okay, here it is. Romans 12, 2. Then, so after, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, so as a result of this, because of this, you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing and perfect will. So one of the benefits of putting ourselves in a process where we're continually being transformed, we're continually renewing our minds the way that we think, the way that we do stuff, is that we'll know what God's will is for our life. See, if we know what God's will is for our life and we're willing, uh, we're willing to follow it, there's no confusion. So if you spend a lot, of your, a lot of your time indecisive, if you spend a lot of your time confused, 
If you spend a lot of your time feeling like you're under a fog, man, let yourself be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let yourself, put yourself in the stream of the Holy Spirit where He can work on you, where He can love you, where He can um, change those things that need to be changed. So there's no confusion. You will know the will of the Father. You can discern what's of God and what's not. So if I got up here and said something heretical, if you're allowing yourself to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you would know God's will. I'd say something hinky, and you'd go, mm, yeah, no, not today. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't accept that today. I don't believe that today. How, how powerful is that to know God's will for your life? So I'm going to finish up. If the music team can come on up, and I'll, um, I'll do the, uh, the uh, ultra recall thing. So, just to finish off, I wanted to read you uh, the message version of the same passage. Just because I, I really like it and it's got a really strong application to it. So just listen to this. It's a message version, Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping you're eating, you're going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. So place it before just your normal everyday stuff and place it to God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Put your focus on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you. He wants the best for you. And he develops well-formed maturity in you. If you need prayer today, we want to pray for you. If you need transformation in any area, this is a place of transformation. If you're confused, if it feels like you've been operating under a fog, then give yourself a chance to have your mind renewed today. See, it says in the Bible that if I ask for bread, even the worst father wouldn't give me a stone. So how much more would your Father do for you who loves you in heaven? There's a response that needs to take place. Laurie talked about it before. There's a line in the sand. See, for some of us, some of us have lived in a place of comfort for a really, really long time and we're in danger of becoming conformed. But I'm telling you today, here's my challenge, here's my encouragement. Sitting back isn't going to cut it anymore. Passivity is not an option. Living a Christian life is an active life. It's a life full of actions. It's the gospel in action. It's living out the life of Jesus as much as you can in your own life as you understand it every single day. I found this quote, which uh, I'll just finish with, but um, we're going to sing one more song. But if you need prayer today, there's some great people here that are, would love to pray for you. Laurie and Abby, if you could um, pray for anyone that come up as well, that'd be awesome. 
And it, and it simply says this. God is not looking for a church that simply survives the present cultural chaos. He doesn't want a church that looks back on some past achievements of faith. God wants a people who are transforming their communities. So will you believe with me, church? Will you allow yourself to be transformed? Will you allow yourself to go through that process of not just renewing your mind, not just having your mind renewed once, but being in a continual state of allowing yourself to have your mind renewed by the one who loves you, the one who wants the best for you, the one that has a plan and a purpose for your life that's far greater than anything we can think or dream or imagine. See, I believe that in some cases today there's going to be an exchange that takes place. And in my experience, (laughs) anytime I've given God, God the everyday, anytime I've given God the ordinary, anytime I've given Him the natural, I receive the extraordinary and the supernatural in return. 